Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. List of events, Brian Scott Rippey has pledged his undying loyalty to country music superstar Garth Brooks going forward. (laughs) Who knew that Garth Brooks wearing a Bernie Sanders jersey while performing a concert in Detroit could get Brian Scott Rippey on the Friends in Low Places train? I couldn't. Is, is do people? Was this a joke? Like, do people were playing on people? Or they, wait, wait. What, uh, I got a producer in my ear. What? What was that? Oh, it it wasn't a Bernie Sanders jersey. It was it was another beast, Barry Sanders. I'm late to the party. Oh, Barry Sanders jersey. That would make sense in Detroit. I'm late to the party on this. Is this this um was this like a joker? Did people actually get upset with this? I saw this on my trending tab on Twitter. Are, which honestly, are you it's just really sad to click on. Are you asking the question? Are people stupid enough to believe that that's a Bernie Sanders jersey? Is that your? Is that what you're asking? So that really happened, Rippy. Yes. I, I will try to find oh some screenshots of people on Facebook. Of course, it's Facebook. Just losing their minds over it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how how at a concert in Detroit would <laughs> the fine people of Detroit not make this connection? Because oh, it's, it's not, not the, it's people, not the people from Detroit. Detroit. It's just the uh, people just out there in the world. Yes. Okay. Lest we forget that Barry Sanders and Garth Brooks went to the same college too. They're both the here. Oklahoma State University. That's right. So this so. is just like internet McCarthyism. Barry Sanders, Garth Brooks in blue jeans, a black cowboy hat, a guitar strapped over his shoulder, and a number twenty Barry Sanders jersey, while playing a concert in. Detroit, Michigan, home of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> ah. And people are outraged because Garth Brooks was wearing a Sanders jersey. Sanders 20. You stinking socialist loving pig. On the I got friends in low. He's got friends the, in low yes, places. Way, That's why he wants the government to get him off key. On the uh, on the sports end of this, doesn't this show you like, all what a my bad, roots. bad sports franchise? Like how anonymous that can make you? Because like Barry Sanders, one of the greatest running backs ever, in twenty five years later, ever. people are mistaking his jersey for uh, a political stance. Like I, like, I don't know if that were. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at screenshots here. Who would that not happen to? Please tell me, all caps, no, this is not him. I'm so disappointed. (laughs) Next reply, I wish you would have kept your political preferences to yourself. Peace out. Sorry, Garth. Don't think so. Just stick to music. (laughs) This is my favorite story so far of calendar year 2020. It's really bothering me that I can't make a joke from a Garth Brooks song title. I've got them all pulled up here, and I'm just trying. Nothing's working for me. Weird that a millionaire would like a socialist. Hey, Garth, are you going to distribute your millions? Yikes. (laughs) 
This is a screenshot on Twitter. Love you. Hate the shirt. Hashtag Trump 2020. Make America know Barry Sanders again. That was not funny. Hey, Dad. How do you I know, but you, I you, you were trying too hard. But how do you I'm, I can't make it work. Uh, hashtag disappointed. Here's one. I will always love your music, but you must have uh, you must have down a rabbit hole and swallowed a crazy pill. Disappointing. I sure hope Trisha keeps politics off her shows. If that's Bernie's shirt, I just lost a lot of respect for you. <laughs> Nothing like supporting a communist to lose a few fans. How about going to a successful socialist country and doing some research? Oh, yes, you can't because there aren't. Good grief. Can't you just do what you get paid to do? Why, why, why does it have to involve politics? So sad. We don't pay good money for anything other than to watch you perform. Thought you were different, Garth. Thought you were different. I need a link to the actual post so I can see these comments and I can see the replies to them. I need to, That's what I'm missing here hey, is Dad, the people saying, hey, Dad, here's hey what you I idiot. Did. Here's what you I got, did. You got me? I typed get, in. Get me, help me. I typed in Garth Brooks, Bernie Sanders, and then clicked on images and just started scrolling. Fantastic. Apparently, oh, you're going to love this tie. Apparently, this started with a Darren Rovell tweet. As most bad things do. Yeah. Here's Rovell's tweet. Beyond awesome, Garth Brooks wears a Barry Sanders jersey in Detroit. Some fans think he's voting for Bernie Sanders in 20. And uh, Darren gives us the facepalm emoji with a link to uh, some of the comments. Earlier today, Barry Sanders asked Garth Brooks if he wanted to be his vice president. So Barry Sanders might be jumping in the ring here. What is Barry Sanders Oh, that's now? beautiful. That is beautiful. On Twitter, the official Barry Sanders. Hey, Garth Brooks, want to be my VP? Number 20 for 2020. Let's do it! <laughs> this is, I'm telling you, we are, uh, what, 31 and 28? Uh, math on the fly. Is that 59 days into the uh, new calendar year? This is my favorite story of 2020. Uh, the Detroit Lions said he's got our vote and then put like a little... They put a goat instead of whatever the Demo- – what's the Democratic animal? Donkey. The donkey, but uh, donkey. Barry donkey. Sanders is the goat, so. No, I, I caught that joke. I just <laughs> – I caught that part of it. Thank you. Sports. Also realized this was a Barry Sanders jersey from the jump. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Friday <laughs> afternoon. Hope you got a little bit of a chuckle with us right out of the gate. I, I know Brian Haydad uh, did. I know Michael Borky did. I can't decide if this is hitting just a little too close to home for Rippy or not, but uh, I think he's laughing about it as well. Yeah, more just false hope. <laughs> You want to be part of the show, you can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line, C Spire, customer inspired. Welcome to Friday, boys. The sun is out. It is not ridiculously cold. And all the baseball teams from the state of Mississippi at the Division One level are on the road. Ole Miss is in North Carolina. Mississippi State is in California. And Southern Miss is in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Those are the breaks. This is a really weird weekend at Starville. There's no home sports whatsoever. Men and women's basketball are on the road as well. There's softball. Are you going to dance naked in the streets to celebrate a weekend off? No. 
Okay. I think I think that would probably get me arrested and probably make my neighbors really mad. Periscope so. it if you do. Oh, that that will happen. I'll be in Oxford on a, on Sunday. Monetize I guess it's not, that? Not really a uh, an, an off day, but you know. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, final uh, regular season game of the year for Mississippi State and Ole Miss women's basketball coming mm-hmm. up on uh, Saturday. Sunday. 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 Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Um, sorry, your, your text about Bernie Sanders factoring in. <laughs> the other side is how many Bernie Sanders supporters buy Barry Sanders jersey. Will we see a jump in Barry Sanders jersey sales? That's a great. That's a great marketing idea. Detroit should be all over that. I don't think that's a great marketing idea. It's also just a collective like, like litmus test to see like how intelligent or not intelligent the general population is. Somebody asked if we were talking about Chris Gaines. <laughs> is it fair to call that an alter ego? Is that the way to uh, describe that? Yes. Yes. You put out an album. It was more than just an ego. It was an altered musician. He was on Saturday Night Live. It's just such a bad, bad. Hey, man, he wanted to be a rock star for a while. Don't we all? That shows you how great Garth Brooks is, is that he was able to do something like that. It completely bombed. He just shook it off and kept moving forward. A lot of people, that that would end your career. Wait, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Garth Brooks became. Chris Gaines for a period of time. And it was Google it Chris was really Gaines. Bad. You'll see the the picture yeah. of him with the black hair that like covers his face. Yeah, he's very it emo. Was, it was it was really bad. Hey, you know what's the most impressive thing to me about Garth Brooks is he was the number one country star on planet Earth anywhere in the world. Wait, this is actually him? And then yes. he just yes. stopped. He just stopped for a decade, mm-hmm. decade and a half. Rippy learning what Chris Gaines is 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 great radio. Wanted to, I don't understand. Be around to raise his kids and just kind of be a regular guy, and then he comes back and does it all over again. But he was in Memphis last year or two years ago and he had two shows scheduled and they both sold out and he decided to play a third show. Where did the name come from? And it sold out. He created it. (laughs) So did people know in real time this was Garth Brooks? Yes. Why not? Why It would have been sold easier as emo Garth Brooks. Sports Talk Mississippi where Rippy learns new things. We'll take a quick time out. Let's talk some baseball when we come back with you. Speedball by you. Friday afternoon rolling into a big baseball weekend. We're still two weeks away from the start of conference play for SEC teams. But this is arguably the best weekend in terms of volume of good games that are out there. You've got the uh, Shriners Hospitals for Children College Classic that's happening in Houston. Uh, SEC teams that are there, Missouri and LSU. You've also got Baylor and Texas and Arkansas is in that as well. What are the three from Texas? Baylor, Texas, and I can't remember who the third Texas team is in the tournament. And you got Missouri and Arkansas. Oklahoma. And oh, that's right. Oklahoma's in it also. Good point. 
So it's not all three Texas. So it's three from the Big 12, three from the SEC. So a really good field there. Baylor beat Missouri earlier today 4-2. to two. In the Keith LeClaire Classic in Greenville, North Carolina, you've got Ole Miss, High Point, East Carolina, and Indiana. That's kind of a uh, round-robin spot or a, a round-robin format in the tournament. Kentucky's hosting UNC Wilmington. Wilmington beat them 8 to nothing already today. Harvard is in Tuscaloosa this weekend to take on Alabama. Arkansas and Oklahoma just got started there in Houston. Still undefeated Tennessee is hosting George Washington this weekend. Georgia Tech and Georgia normally play each other three games in the midweek spread throughout the season. They'll play one in Athens, one in Atlanta, and then a second one in Atlanta that they play at the uh, the Brave Stadium. What's the new name? It was SunTrust. What is it now? Sun Truest now. Park. Truest. It changed again? Well, this it is changed again. the first name change for the new stadium. SunTrust and... <clears throat> was it SunTrust and BB&T that combined? Hey, two big banks combined, and so they renamed the uh, ballpark to match the new name of the bank, whatever it was. So this year, instead, they are playing a three-game series in Athens this weekend, top 20 matchup there between Georgia Tech and Georgia. Wright State is at Auburn. So Wright State continuing their little tour through the SEC. Hawaii is at Vanderbilt. My question is, does Vanderbilt get a return trip to Honolulu next year? I think so. That's pretty cool. It's an awesome ballpark they've got there. It'll surprise you when you Google search it. Somebody throw the whistler in a volcano. You're talking about the uh, park where the Rainbow Warriors play? Yeah, it's really cool looking, actually. Double deck, everything. Uh, Eric Sorensen has told us about that before and says it's a fabulous spot. I think the biggest thing for him is he can get cold beer there. That man loves beer and baseball, doesn't he? He certainly does. Certainly does. Who doesn't Troy love is beer a... and baseball? Mississippi State, apparently. Ooh. Hold on a second. That's not fair, Porky. Yeah. There are there, there are a couple of thousand people in the uh, left field lounge and the right field area that um, yeah. man it's would, would a argue joke. otherwise. It is, they they it love is it. They love it so I've, much. They they don't spill it. They I'm, don't waste it. I'm talking about the school administration not allowing the sales of it. Just oh, a yeah, lighthearted I, I, joke. I just thought it was a misplaced punchline. I thought I mean if you had said Mark Keenum specifically, then that would have yeah. yeah. I was talking about the For, university. Uh, Clemson and South Carolina playing their deal where they play one in Columbia, one in Clemson, and then one in Greenville at Floor Field. Is that still where, still, where they're still playing it? Yep, it's uh, it's right downtown. It's the stadium that uh, of the team that stole the Mississippi Braves, basically. So they had a Braves affiliate. The city wouldn't build them a new ballpark. They moved to Mississippi. Like a year later, the city builds a new ballpark for the Red Sox because that makes a ton of sense. Hmm. Frisco College Classic in Frisco, Texas, includes Texas A&M against Illinois tonight. They have UCLA LS- tomorrow, though, number 10. So Yeah. How about that? Pretty good field there in Frisco. LSU and Texas will play tonight in Houston. Uh, Kendall Rogers told us earlier this week the expectation was more than 20,000 for that game. And the nightcap involving SEC teams, top 25 matchup if you use the D1 baseball poll. Number 8, Mississippi State. Number 25, Long Beach State. Bulldogs ranked as high as number 4. And that one gets started at 8 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock on the West Coast. That's a fun series, hey, Dad? I think so. You know, anytime you can get an SEC team traveling West, I always think that's something people want to see. 
uh, especially because even beyond the Pac-10, there's so many good teams out there in California. Uh, and then it's picked up a little extra luster because Long Beach State has probably been better, has definitely been better than most anybody would have predicted thus far. And then State has shown some cracks, you know, with the way they lost on Sunday and, of course, losing to Texas Southern on Tuesday. So, you know, you got a chance to see some, uh, some teams that, you know, Long Beach State can sort of make their resume right mm-hmm. here in, in, at the end of February, beginning of March. And for Mississippi State to go on the road and get those wins would be a big statement to, to rebound from uh, what happened on Tuesday. Earlier today, Ole Miss moved to eight and one on the year with a win over High Point. The final was six to two. Rebels jumped out to a two to nothing lead in the top of the first inning. Ole Miss was the visiting team when Tyler Keenan hit a two run home run over the right field wall. That uh, margin stayed until the top of the fifth inning when the Rebels added a run on a sacrifice fly from Cale Baker, made it three to nothing. Bottom of the fifth. Two-run single for High Point made it a 3-2 to two ball game. Ole Miss answered in the top of the sixth inning with a couple of runs. Uh, uh, is it Cade Sammons? Uh, got a single to right field and uh, drove in Kevin Graham. And then uh, Peyton Chatagnier got a sack fly to score Justin Bench. Uh, that made it 5-2, to two, and then Ole Miss added an insurance run in the top of the ninth inning on a ground out by Cale Baker, picked up another RBI. So he drove in two in the game. Tyler Keenan drove in two. Sammons had an RBI, as did Peyton Chatagnier. Nobody in the lineup for Ole Miss today had more than uh, one hit. Rebels had only six hits in the ball game, but it was a productive six hits. And Ole Miss, Rippy went into this game leading the entire country in home runs on the season. Yeah, they did. They're continuing to hit the ball with more power than I think most anticipated, and at a pretty historic clip. Probably won't quite keep that up, but hitting it well. And then I thought the story today was pitch it pretty well, and then your top two bullpen guys kind of came in and took care of the game and didn't let it get interesting at all. Doug Nikhazy, five and two-thirds, gave up four hits, a couple of earned runs, walked one, struck out five. He also hit a batter. Um, I'm not sure how many pitches he threw in the game. But uh, he gets the win, improves to 2-1 and one on the year. Austin Miller, inning in two-thirds of scoreless relief, gave up three hits, struck out a couple. And Taylor Broadway came in at the end, inning in two-thirds for him, gives up one hit and strikes out one. I guess maybe one piece of good news in this game is because it was a four-run game late, Ole Miss did not have to go to their closer, Forsyth, at the end. Yeah, it was relatively easily taxed game in terms of the bullpen. Didn't have to go too deep into it, but I imagine if you drew the game up like as planned, that was about how Mike Bianco saw it going. Gunnar Hoagland will face East Carolina tomorrow, and then Derek Diamond will throw against Indiana on Sunday. Uh, a little bit later, start in the afternoon tomorrow, and then an early start, a uh, 10 a.m. Central time, so 11 o'clock East Coast time start for uh, Game 3 against Indiana. Um, was this just kind of more of the same? in your mind, for Ole Miss with the way they've played so far this season? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty clean game overall. Got an early lead, preserved it, starting pitching pitch pretty well, and the bullpen took care of it. Just pretty simple, straightforward game. When does... You know, it's it's so easy for people to say, that's fine, do whatever in the regular season, talk to me in June and let me know how the results are there, which I'm just I just don't think that's fair when you're looking at or evaluating a team, when does how people look at the 2020 version of Ole Miss change? When does it go, well, I was kind of curious what this team was going to look like to, that's a pretty darn good baseball team. Conference play? I mean, they made a, about as big of a statement as they could make opening weekend 
in non-conference play. Now you're just really trying to get through the rest of it. But they're hitting it better than I think most people thought, hitting for more power. So I think that's beginning to shift. But, you know, if you go into conference play and start the first half of the season, I'm bat, not a math guy here, but, you know, 10 and 8, something like Or no, wait. No, that, that's 18. Over that's halfway, over half that's the season. Halfway. I'm thinking of uh, the 18-game basketball season. What, at 15 if you're – I don't know. Nine and six? Yeah, something like that. Like, you know, anywhere around 500 heading into the back end because their schedule uh, really doesn't let up at all, but you got some pretty tough challenges up front open with LSU. I think you'll start to uh, start to really kind of see the, the expectation shift, if nothing else, I guess. Yeah, once you get into league play, Ole Miss opens at home with LSU three-game series second weekend in March, or maybe that's the third week, yeah, second full weekend in March. Then they go to A&M. And then they host Arkansas, and then they got South Carolina, and then Mississippi State. I mean, that's the first half of the SEC slate. Yeah, I mean, you play the best four teams, and like Sorry. what is thought to be the best four teams in the West, if you extract Ole Miss from the equation, for the first five weeks of the season. Do I have that right? LSU to A and M, Arkansas break with South Carolina, and then State. Those are the four teams that are picked above them in the West. Is that what you're saying? If I'm not mistaken, are three of the four? I mean, Auburn, yeah, but. Sure. If you're talking four best teams in the West, that's probably it. Yeah. Well, and then Ole Miss will get to decide whether or not it gets to stake its claim as one of the three or four best teams in the West, kind of based on the results from that. So the Rebels get the 6-2 to two win over High Point. They will play East Carolina tomorrow afternoon. Let's talk in depth Mississippi State and Long Beach State. When we come back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday. Yeah, just a few no pitcher that will take the mound this weekend for either Mississippi State or Long Beach State as a starter has a loss this year. Tonight, 8 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock on the West Coast, Carlisle Kessler, the right-handed grad transfer, will face off against Adam Seminaris. He's a junior lefty and is the ace of that staff but did not pitch last weekend for Long Beach State in their sweep against Wake Forest. Tomorrow, you will have the redshirt freshman Christian McLeod, left-hander, 2-0 and on the year with a 1.8 ERA facing off against a sophomore lefty for Long Beach State, Alfredo Ruiz. He's 2-0 and with a 0 ERA. And then on Sunday, it's Eric Sarantola, the sophomore right-hander for the Bulldogs, 1-0 on the year with an even 1 ERA against Luis Ramirez, freshman right-hander, 1-0 on the season with an ERA just below 4. Christian McLeod, in his Mississippi State debut against Wright State, struck out 11. That was back on the 15th of February. That is the most by a Mississippi State pitcher in a season debut in program history. Makings of a pretty fun series tonight. Baseball America that starts tonight. Baseball America has Mississippi State ranked at four. That is their highest ranking in any of the six major college baseball polls. Collegiate baseball, baseball writers, perfect game in USA Today all have them at six. And D1 baseball has them at eight. Both of these teams, six and two. Hey, Dad, going into the uh, end of the weekend for, uh, what were we talking about a second ago? A fun series, an intersectional matchup where you go all the way across the country. 
Yeah, and a big series for Mississippi State. I, I think they really do want to show some bounce back from what happened this week. Even though, even in the win against Alcorn, you weren't particularly dominant against a, a SWAC team that, that has shown, you know, that they're. I don't think they're that bad. Obviously, they went up to Ole Miss and, and gave Ole Miss a good game. Did the same in Starkville. Uh, but you'd, you'd like to come back, and especially from a, a hitting standpoint, these next three games, Mississippi State would like to see if the, if the bats can can improve with the warm weather and, and being into the third weekend of the season. They don't want to struggle the way they've had. They have done so the uh, the past few days. Uh, we'll see what they get from the bullpen. I think it's sort of uh, be a good thing for Mississippi State for Kessler to maybe get into the fourth or fifth inning tonight because you did have to stretch your bullpen a little bit with two midweek games, especially ones that you didn't put away early. Um, and then you'll see what you get. You know, from McLeod, I feel pretty confident there. That 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 guy has really pitched well, and he's shown that everything we heard about him in the offseason looks like it's pretty accurate. And then you know, on Sunday, you're probably gonna have to dive into the bullpen because I don't know how you can. And Sarantola, at this point, from what you've seen from him, he's just so up and down. And he's going to issue some 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 walks. You're probably gonna have to get to the bullpen with him. So tonight's game could be very interesting. To see how State manages that if they can get a, a decent outing out of Kessler uh, to uh, to set the things up for the rest of the weekend. Kessler, originally from Vicksburg, went to Warren Central High School, transferred to Mississippi State from southeastern Louisiana. Um, 13-7 and seven in his career. So the numbers prior to this year at, uh, at Sealaw, 13 wins and 7 losses, uh, an ERA of a little below 4.5. Uh, pitched a lot. I mean, he had 155 strikeouts and 184 career innings. In his uh, in his time at Sealot, two outings so far this year against Wright State. Um, I don't think those numbers. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's Kessler. Sorry, two innings against Wright State, five hits, three earned runs, a walk, and three strikeouts. Took no uh, no decision in that game against Oregon State. Three innings, couple of hits, um, did not allow a run, walked two, and struck out four. There, both of those were in wins. Is there? I mean, forgive me a dumb question. But I'm assuming that there is a hope that he can get a little bit deeper into the game than he was able to do last week in his first start. Yeah, I think that's, like I said, I think that's sort of a key for Mississippi State this weekend to get him into the, the fourth or fifth thing. He's a, it was very interesting last week. He, he appears to be a pitcher who's going to pitch to contact. You know, he's not blowing you away with 94, 95 or anything like that. He's, you know, 89, 90, 91 for the most part on his fastball. But for a guy who pitched a contact, he had he had some strikeouts, and he 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 elevated his pitch count probably beyond what Mississippi State was expecting, and that's why they had to pull him out of the game a little quicker than than I think they wanted to. So yeah, if he can you know pitch to contact a little bit and get some outs in the air and on the ground and and keep that pitch count down, then it sets State up in a situation. Where remember, they only have to go through a couple of guys tonight and and out of the bullpen, and and set yourself up well for for Saturday Sunday. Uh, but of course, all of this could be a moot point if State doesn't start to hit. They've got to put, find a way to start putting some runs on the board, uh, and we'll see if that happens tonight. You know, we've talked about it the other day that the bottom half of the order has just been abysmal uh, this far thus far this year. So we'll see if those guys can finally start get, getting it cranked up a little bit. First ever regular season meeting between Mississippi State and Long Beach State. It's only the second time ever that they've played against one another. Uh, 1993 in the NCAA East Regional in Tallahassee. That was a uh, a win for Long Beach State. Uh, Mississippi State has faced five of the nine members that are currently part of the Big West Conference. It doesn't matter, just so you know. A couple of notes about the uh, the dirt bags: six and two on the year, four straight wins, beat San Diego ten to three in midweek action. 
last weekend against, at the time, number 18 Wake Forest. They held the Demon Deacons to five runs on 12 hits for the weekend and held them scoreless in the last 16 innings of the three-game series. We mentioned one of the starters for Long Beach State is freshman Luis, uh, Luis Ram- Ramirez. Seven innings with one unearned run on three hits with 12 strikeouts in his outing against uh, Wake Forest. And a name that you'll hear if you listen on the radio or you watch it on Beach Vision tonight, uh, Jacob Huey. He is the leading hitter for Long Beach State. He's hitting 324. Well, he hit 324. Uh, last year, he's the leading hitter on the team again this uh, this season. Is is this the most? Well, I don't know if we can answer that question yet. Is this a bigger challenge for Mississippi State than Oregon State was last weekend? That's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously, being on the road always tougher than being at home. Um, You're you're right in that we can't answer it because I mean I, I thought Oregon State looked like a, a decent team. They'll be an NCAA tournament team, I would imagine, when we get to a, a little closer to the end of the season. But Long Beach State has that look too as well. So it, I think it's just a bigger challenge in terms of being on the road for the first time this year and and you know wanting to see if you have that confidence that you that you have at home. Yeah. Um. You know, one of the things that Chris Lamona said about Oregon State last weekend in terms of kind of comparing them to an SEC team, there were a lot of really good arms that the Beavers ran out last weekend. There were a bunch of guys that were throwing low 90s, which was in stark contrast to what they saw in two midweek games against Texas Southern and uh, and Alcorn State, where you you had guys that were doing well to to get to 82 with their fastball. So you would imagine things kind of gear back up on the mound. And I'm not so sure. Rippy, you alluded to this when we were talking earlier this week. Sometimes when what you're used to seeing is low 90s, low to mid 90s from everybody that comes out, whether it's a starter or a bullpen guy, getting back to that can really be good for your offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I don't even know if it's sometimes. Anytime you have like a swag team or a smaller school that comes in and the kid can barely hit 80 going over the plate, there's a huge adjustment period because it's just incredibly different than what you see. Nine, you know. I'd say nine times out of ten. However many games you play in the season, you're going to see that what two, three times. So there's an adjustment period, and you know, I mean that to me, that's the probably the most critical factor. That and errors and how those kinds of losses manifest. Like just not used to seeing it. It's usually low scoring game. I guess that wasn't technically low scoring. What was it eight three eight four? The Texas Southern game. Yeah, yeah, eight to four. They lost eight to four and then won eight to four in the two midweek games. Yeah, it's just tough. It happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, how about this text? Ceasefire text line. This might be a ridiculous take, but that Sarantola kid was unhittable last year in limited uh, limited innings everywhere but Duty Noble. Also had a guy tell me that he was very good this summer, so maybe his hang up is the mound at Duty Noble. I'm not joking. I've seen stuff like that happen before. I guess we'll find out on Sunday. That would be a heck of a heck of a uh, mental block, wouldn't it? You get to mm-hmm. play in what what most people would tell you is the best stadium in college baseball, and I can't you can't perform there. But we're, we're going to go up into the Cape in front of eight hundred, you know, eighty five people, and uh, yeah, I'm throwing I'm throwing seeds there. I personally play my best golf when I'm by myself and nobody can see what my actual score was. So. <laughs> 
There might be something to that, though. It might be a crazy observation, but maybe... No, yeah, maybe it's the baseball, smaller crowds man. or something. Crazy stuff like that happens. Yeah, so... So if that's the case, then this weekend, Sarantola, seven strong, 15 Lights strikeouts, out. two hits, no runs. And you could only see it on beach vision. If that if that happens, by the way, that's going to be a great talking point for us on Monday. We can go full first take on it. <laughs> Should Mississippi State play Saturday baseball games at Starkville High School? Yeah. Somebody Sunday, says it's Sunday. probably all the cowbells. It gives him anxiety. Uh, they don't allow cowbells to do noble. Whatever. They don't. They're not allowed. Well, I, I've certainly heard them there and uh, seen them. Stuff up. That, that's just rebel propaganda. They're just making this stuff up. Don't be that guy. <laughs> don't be that guy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Having fun yeah. with you on a Friday. Be right back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Friday afternoon. Sun's out, blue skies, gorgeous day. Hope you're able to spend a little bit of time outside this afternoon. Hey, Dad, you were inside late last night. Mississippi State playing an 8 o'clock tip-off in women's hoops. Um, Trap game is not the right way to describe it. It was just a good opponent. Uh, in yeah. Arkansas, an Arkansas team that came into the game twenty-one and six and nine and five in conference play, and uh, Mississippi State, despite being outscored by ten in the final quarter, got a nine-point win. Yeah, you can do that when you lead by nineteen going into the fourth. They, there you go. They played really well. Uh, good match. Really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only time we'll ever have it on this show. Uh, offensively, they played really well last night. They shot around sixty percent. Um, out rebound in Arkansas by a ton. Arkansas is a team that likes to score. I mean, normally 83 points is pretty good for them, but State was able to get 92. Jessica Carter had 21. Jordan Wait, Danbury, are there any teams that don't like to score? Well, there are some teams. Yeah, there are some teams that just want to grind you to death and and play defense. And Arkansas is not that team though. Um, Mike Neighbors so, did a really good job there. Really has. It's turned that program around pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, had them in the SEC tournament finals a season ago where they upset South Carolina, uh, ended up losing to Mississippi State there in the final. Uh, and now, you know, been in the top 25 for most of this year. So State now has clinched uh, second place in the conference. Uh, they get the, the double bye in next week's SEC tournament, and they'll wrap up the regular season Sunday uh, in Oxford. Four starters in double figures last night. Uh, Chloe Bibby had 11, Carter had 21. Uh, Danbury had 19 last night and 18 for Matharu. Is that yes? Aliyah Matharu, yes. Aliyah Matharu, and then another uh, one of those true freshmen. There you go. Um, In 23 minutes, she had 13 points last night as well. Mississippi State shot it well from the floor. They shot 58 percent from the field, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Uh, Both teams actually shot it really, really well from the free throw line in that game. So Mississippi State now 24 and five overall. 12-3 Twelve and three in conference play. They lock up the uh, number two seed in the SEC tournament. South Carolina will be the one seed. Am I doing the like whole bracket thing? If they win all the way through, that means you could have, if no upsets, Mississippi State and South Carolina in the championship game, right? C- correct. Yeah. Which is what I'm sure the conference office will be pulling for. Where is it in Greenville? Yeah, it's in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Borky was just talking about how. The sports media market hasn't caught up on Greenville on our podcast earlier today. Yeah, I mean, it's passing Buffalo, Milwaukee, already passed Buffalo and Milwaukee, and uh, the DMA is about to pass New Orleans as well as far as size of the market. And they have, 
I think soccer would be the next like real pro sport. They've got a minor league hockey team and two two believe it or not minor league soccer teams there, and a single A baseball team. But for a market that size to only have that's a, a little bit surprising. But Borky, you know more about the market than I do. But I've talked to some people like in the commercial real estate injury uh, in industry about Greenville, and. I mean, this is meant as a compliment. It's kind of like Nashville's little brother right now. Pretty much, yeah. It, the, the the growth rate is comparable to what's happening in Nashville, which, along with mm-hmm. Austin, is the fastest-growing metro area in the United States. Pretty much. So. And, and maybe that's probably part of the reason is you have a bunch of people that are moving there that don't have ties to the area, so they're worried about if they were to try to add it that you may not have enough people that care enough locally to, to make it work, but... I don't know. That's just a guess. There was a time, I mean, 10, 15-plus years ago, where they thought that uh, they were going to try to get an NHL team. Uh, The minor league hockey team there used to sell out a sizable arena downtown every night. Then hockey went on strike, and it hasn't been the same since. They've still got the team. It's just not doing as well as it used to. But that was the thought there, that they were going to add hockey, and that was a conversation before uh, the Predators went to Nashville. A uh, couple of things coming up in the uh, the 4 o'clock hour. Some potential NFL draft news. You've got the Combine going on right now, and the viewership numbers are almost inexplicable. When you look at the viewership numbers, it's hard to wrap your mind around why they are doing what they're doing other than the fact that people just love Football. We'll get to those coming up in uh, in a little bit. Plus uh, some mock draft type news that uh, is on the way. Uh, some sports media news. Some XFL stuff uh, as we go into week four of the XFL season. Also, a really fascinating story from Pac-12 country. Mike Bone is the uh, relatively new athletics director at Southern Cal, and he said some things earlier this week that have raised eyebrows a bit. Is USC really a team, really a university, that would consider leaving the Pac-12? Mike Bone does not rule that possibility out if things don't change pretty dramatically. One hour in the books. Happy to be with you on a Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will be right back after the news. Yeah, a little bit of Buffett with you on a Friday at Sports Talk Mississippi. We are glad to have you along for the ride. Thanks for joining us. All guests on Sports Talk appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Potentially ground zero for the biggest story of the offseason in the NFL is Nashville, Tennessee. Potentially. Zach Bingham joins us right now from A to Z Sports. Those guys are based in Nashville. Zach, always appreciate your time. Good to uh, catch up with you. What's up, my friend? Yeah, no, doing well. How are you guys doing? Man, things are things are good. This whole Tom Brady deal feels like it's kind of taking on a life of its own. Before we get into the specifics of whether or not Brady in Nashville would make sense, do you buy into the idea that he's not going to be back in New England? I think at first I was like, there's no way it makes too much sense for him to end his storied career as a, as a Patriot. I mean, with, with everything that he's done, the greatest quarterback of all time. But 
as the reports start to leak out more and more, I mean, Jeff Darlington, who's close to the situation, he's reported from ESPN that, you know, he, he, it's a real possibility. And, you know, it's like any story. The more you start to hear the rumors grow, the more you start to kind of believe them. And I'm not really sure. I don't think anybody really truly knows where Tom Brady's mind is. I do know he wasn't happy at the end of this past season losing to the Titans in New England because he looked around the offense and he had he didn't have any help. He didn't have a great running game. He didn't have great wide receivers. The Patriots didn't do a very good job of replacing Gronk. So maybe those are the things that he wants to, to kind of go out, maybe with a different team, with some different weapons, and, and try to win another Super Bowl. If he were to leave New England, are the Titans the team that makes the most sense for him to join? Well, the connection is there. I, I, I and the, the the Titans don't have a quarterback under contract, and I think that's the unique part about it. Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback that led them to the AFC Championship game last year, he's a free agent. Marcus Mariota, he is a free agent, and he's not going to return with the Titans. They've kind of moved on from him. And then you have the John Robinson, the general manager of the, the, the Tennessee Titans, who worked in New England. He's a former Patriot. Mike Vrabel, he's a former Patriot and friends with Tom Brady. You usually late in your career, you'd like to go to somewhere where you're you have some familiarity. And I yeah. think that there you can connect the dots. It's not. I, I think that Tennessee makes the most sense out of all the teams that we talk about. I think I would put maybe the Los Angeles Chargers second just because it's Los Angeles and Tom Brady has ties to a house out there. But, I mean, it's it, this has been a crazy offseason. It's just more and more is going to be built up over the next couple of weeks. How, how just like Goo Goo Gaga are Titans fans over the idea of Tom Brady? Or are there Titans fans, and, and maybe the answer to both of these questions is yes, are there Titans fans that are going – yeah, Tom Brady of four years ago signed me up, but he's 42, trending toward 43, father time's undefeated, his numbers were down this past year. Where, where are people falling on this? They truly are split, and you would be yeah. surprised the number of Titans fans, and we talk to them every day on A to Z Sports, but you'd be surprised how many people want to keep Ryan Tannehill. They don't even want to mess with Tom Brady because of what you just mentioned. He's going to hit a wall. Every person, every player hits a wall, right? They don't want that wall to be in Tennessee, especially because they're coming off an AFC championship game appearance. The expectations right. have just been moved a lot higher going into 2020. And let's just be honest, Ryan Tannehill did a very good job last year. I mean, he, he threw for over 2,700 yards. He had 22 touchdowns. He only had six interceptions. Like he was very, very efficient. And so they, the Derrick Henry contract, that's always in question, and that's that's kind of a different conversation. But there's a lot of people that don't really necessarily want to talk to Tom Brady. They just want to get Ryan Tannehill and move forward. Okay, so let's play that out. We talked about this some yesterday. Let's say those are the two options, Tom Brady coming in on maybe a two-year deal or signing Ryan Tannehill to a longer-term deal next year alone, the 2020 season as a standalone, based on what the roster is going to look at, look like, 
who would be more productive as the quarterback of the Titans next year in your mind? Would it be Tom Brady or Ryan Tannehill? You have to say Tom Brady. The correct answer is Tom Brady, right? Ryan okay. Tannehill has only proven one year. Now, he was 7-3 and three this past year. He had really good games. But over the full kind of scope of his career, Miami included, he has not done what he did last season consistently. Tom Brady, on the other hand, has had phenomenal numbers, had a winning record last year, had home field advantage, won his division, and he didn't have anybody to throw to. With the Titans, you've got a good offensive line. If you get Derrick Henry back, you have the leading rusher returning of the NFL. Your listeners know about A.J. Brown from Ole Miss, who is a 1,000-yard rookie wide receiver and with explosive plays. You've got some weapons. On paper, the answer to your question is Tom Brady. But that age factor and all of these other things of the contract, it's, uh, it's very unique. But I think it's very hard for a franchise to not talk to the greatest quarterback of all time, regardless of his age. Because he's going to play next year. Is Tom Brady still Tom Brady without Bill Belichick? I mean, that's the thirty. It's a reasonable question, question. isn't it? (laughs) I don't think anybody knows what that is. We know that Tom Brady is a leader. We know Tom Brady has seen every defense in the books. We know Tom Brady can manage an offense and make players around him better. But I don't know what he can do without Bill Belichick. We've just never seen it. I think the closest thing to that is maybe a guy he's familiar with uh, with Mike Vrabel, but Mike Vrabel's nowhere near Bill Belichick. So that's a question that I, I think I struggle to answer. If on February 28th, the excitement level on a scale of 1 to 10 for well, – I tell you what, let me ask you this. February 28th, where is the excitement level on a scale of 1 to 10 about the 2020 Titans season? So right now. I would say it's it's truly probably about an 8 because of the season they just had and all okay. of the things that are about to happen. If Tom Add Brady Tom Brady to, to the mix, where is the excitement level? Oh, it's a, it's a 12, a TV 12. <laughs> That's what it is. Because... Nobody, I mean, we had we had a story a couple of weeks ago. It was kind of funny. Uh, a local high school here in Nashville, MBA, the, uh, they claimed that they saw Giselle walking around, see, like looking at the school, and then that ended up being a hoax. I mean, there is some buzz around the greatest quarterback of all time, not playing for the Patriots, and now all of a sudden coming to a small market team, let's just face it, with the Tennessee Titans, and – pushing them in the face of, really, America. Because you know that they're going to cover Tom Brady next year wherever he goes. Are we convinced that NBA is where the kids would go to school if uh, if they actually came to Nashville? <laughs> I don't know. That's a really Are there good odds out there for that? I mean, we. I, I'll be honest. I, as I did some reporting that day, I mean, I went to NBA. I, I, I have ties and connections with that school. I was trying to figure it out myself. Now, it ends up it was actually Steve Hutchinson, a former offensive lineman, and his wife that I guess some people got confused because <laughs> they but, look just alike, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's 
There's people that want Tom Brady in this city. I, I cannot deny that. It's just here in a couple of weeks, are we going to get that? And where, if not, where's Tom Brady going to go? But Nashville, Tennessee, a lot's been going on in the last 365 days, and everybody is awaiting what Tom Brady's decision and what the Tennessee Titans decide to do. You know, I feel like I've been like the city Davidson County is going to send me a property tax statement this year. I've been there so much this year for Vanderbilt uh, in terms of basketball. Um, man, I, I, I'm still just in awe of what Nashville has become, and and not what it's become in the last decade. What what it's become in the last like three to five years. It's just insane. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Actually, tomorrow, uh, a brand new MLS team. That's makes right. Their debut in Titan Stadium, in Nissan Stadium. I'm actually going to that event. They've already sold fifty thousand tickets to an MLS wow. game, and and who knows how big it's really going to be tomorrow night. But you're absolutely right. I mean, this city has it's exploded in a lot of ways, but the rapid the, the how rapid the pace has been has been pretty remarkable. And I don't know. It's been a lot of fun to live here. I'm originally from here, and to create a company here in this city uh, that has to do with sports. It's just been it's been awesome. Zach, thanks for your time, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you guys be good. Zach Bingham, A to Z Sports on the Farm Bureau phone line. Tuesday on the island. Not much going Porky, I cannot believe what I'm looking at that you just sent me. Isn't that wild? Louisville and Western Michigan playing in Louisville. It looks miserable cold there. Maybe even raining a little bit. Western Michigan, top of the third inning, batter at the plate, right-handed hitter, goes opposite field off of Reed Detmers, right fielder goes to the wall, jumps up, can't quite get it, just over his glove, home run. But there is a baseball lying at the base of the wall. Like, somebody didn't notice that there was a baseball there? Left from BP or tossing in between innings or something. Right fielder looks down, sees it, picks it up, and throws it back in. They don't give him a home run. They give him a triple, and the runner ends up stranded at third. How do you not get thrown out of the game arguing that if you're the head coach for Western Michigan? Did they notice? They couldn't have, but... It is very clearly a home run, and there's no possible way the ball could have ended up where it did if it hit the wall. Yeah, I'm like pausing the video. Yeah, but, I mean, without question, the ball goes over the outstretched glove right at the top of the wall. It's a home run. I mean, like, you can freeze frame it and see it disappear behind the wall. And you see the baseball. And there's a baseball on the field for the entire time. I mean, smart play by the right fielder. He knows he didn't catch the ball. Oh, there's a ball. I'll just, whoop. Oh, I'll pick this one up, and I'll throw it back in. (sighs) That's crazy. Do you think he knew the baseball was there? Because he clearly knows he did not catch the ball. Yeah. I mean, he kind of looked back to it and was like, give this a try. How does your umpire not see that, though? Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395. 
unleash the next generation of Galaxy on the C Spire network now with 5G speeds. Pre-order one of the Samsung Galaxy S20 series of smartphones online for $300 off when you upgrade or $500 off when you add a new line. Learn more at cspire.com. All right, so fair or foul, the play that the Louisville right fielder made. That's straight-up cheating, man. Straight up. Fair or foul? He has to assume that he's going to get caught. He's just like, oh, there's there's the ball. He might not. He honestly might not have known. I'll give him like 0.1% benefit of the doubt. But it's worth a shot. He had to think, okay, they're going to see that I did this. and they'll. But then it didn't happen. Buddy, clam up. It's not, it's not your fault that other people are idiots. I always believe that. That was the defense I was going with. If you can dupe that many people, that many people are that dumb. Yeah. More power maybe that, to maybe, you. I bet that umpire was wearing a Barry Sanders jersey. Borky, this day in sports history, is it actually today? It was yesterday. We missed it, but I wanted to see if, if you guys still thought this was a good thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just making sure. 1992. A few weeks before... Michael Borky was born, a 16-year-old Tiger Woods made his PGA Tour debut at Riviera at what was at the time the LA Open. It's now the Genesis whatever. Hogan's Alley, historic golf course. That incredible amphitheater setting on 18 coming in. So Tiger was an amateur. First time he played on the PGA Tour. Shot 72-75, actually missed the cut. So he was not around for the weekend as a 16-year-old at Riviera. But despite missing the cut in his first PGA start, his career turned out okay. Let's just do this. Mickelson's is better. Amateur career? He won on the tour as an amateur. I know. I just wanted to do it. So one thing he can probably claim there. Uh, okay, so who had a better amateur career, Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods? Uh, probably Tiger Woods. Say so three-time U.S. Open champ or a three-time U.S. amateur champ, three-time junior U.S. amateur champ as well, right? Individual national championship and a team national championship at Stanford. That last one I don't know. And that was the team that you had Tiger and Nota Begay on. They're best friends from that. Still, still friends today. Is it okay to read the accolades, Borky? Oh, yeah. Masters champion in 1997, 2001, 2002, 2005, and then 14 years later, last year in 2019. (laughs) Four-time PGA champ. Won it in 99, 2000, 2006, and again in 2007. Three-time U.S. Open champ. 2000, 2002, 2008. Three-time Open Championship Golfer of the Year, 2000, 2005, and 2006. If you're keeping track at home, Tiger Slam was 2000 into 2001 when he won the U.S. Open and then the British and then the PGA and then came back and won the Masters to start the next year. 82-time winner on the PGA Tour. That's tied for first all-time. His next victory will give him more wins than anybody else in PGA Tour history. This is where it gets crazy. 
He has 41 wins on the European Tour. Is that true? That is true. He's won Third all 41 time. times in Europe. Third most all-time. Who's got the most wins in Europe all-time? I will pull that up because I honestly don't know. I mean, it feels like it's going to be Seve or Gary Player. It's Seve, and then uh, with 50, Bernard Langer with 41, Tiger, or excuse me, Langer with 42, Tiger with 41. That's 10 more than Colin Montgomery. Tiger has uh, 16 wins in Florida. Between Bay Hill and the Honda? He has 14 in California. Jeez. 13 in Ohio. 13 in Ohio. That's six times at the Memorial, and then I guess did really well at Firestone also? Huh. 24 other tour wins. So he's got 82 wins on the PGA, 41 in Europe, and then 24 non-sanctioned events. So like when he wins at where? The Asian Tour, yeah, stuff like that. He he won the Hero World Challenge one year. Okay, so that's his own tournament that is non-sanctioned in the Bahamas. If he plays on the Australasian Tour or yeah, whatever. Okay. 11-time PGA Tour player of the year. 10-time money leader, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Most dominant athlete of our lifetime? Hmm. Okay, okay. I'm I'm open to debate. Zion not included, Borky. But but let me know who you're (laughs) thinking about as the other contenders, Bork. Hey, Dad. Jordan. You got to do better than that. Tiger Woods is the greatest winner in sports history. And that, that, I think, that's fine. That, that's fine. The question was most dominant athlete of our lifetimes. And so we'll Tyson. say of the 45 years that Haydad and I have been alive. Michael Tyson. Phelps. Usain Bolt. You could put him on there. Usain Bolt, Dude, Michael Phelps. Um, none of us know enough about those other sports to quantify it in terms of dominance. But Michael Phelps like, exclusively won golf. gold medals. You know, I mean, he he didn't lose. He shattered records and did not lose in the Olympics. Lochte's form was better. <laughs> so were his braces. What was his catchphrase? Chia? C-H-Y-E-A? Or something like that. Anyway, Michael Phelps is the most dominant swimmer to ever live. He most decorated Olympian of all time. You don't have to know much about swimming to know that he never lost. Was it Phelps or Lochte that uh, had too much to drink and peed on the side of that building and it caused like an international incident? It was Lochte. Lochte. Yeah. That was that was a little overblown. Like, they weren't sure that he was going to be... Like, there were extradition concerns, right? Something like that. Like, everyone was calling him a disgrace to the country. It's like, geez. God couldn't find a port john But... Tiger, LeBron, Jordan. Team sports, though. I think it's hard to do team sports when you're looking at singular most Federer. dominant athlete. Federer, Sampras. Sampras. Borky, you're wrong. Um, there are a couple of bronze medals. It's hyperbole. There's a silver. 
It's not, but it's not much of a stretch. No. Not much of a stretch. Simone Biles with another performance this summer could be the most dominant Olympian of all time herself. Hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Open to your thoughts. Most dominant athlete of the last four and a half decades. So the question on the table, and this was not supposed to be some cheap, oh, what's your Mount Rushmore in sports, blah, blah, blah thing. It's a little more organic than that. We were just talking about Tiger Woods, who yesterday was the anniversary of his PGA Tour debut when he played at Riviera in 1992. Almost 30 years ago. 28 years ago. Holy cow. You needed the fingers for that one? Well, yeah. I just was making sure that I was doing that right. <laughs> it's like, oh, 02, okay, 12, 22. Oh, wait, we're not quite there yet. Um, regardless. But I threw it out there, just kind of curious where you would go if we said... And I don't know. I guess I just kind of arbitrarily... Hey, Dad, you're not 45, but... You're close to 45. I'm almost 40. So I just kind of threw in our lifetimes out there. So last four and a half decades, best athlete. No, no, no. That's not what I I asked. Most dominant athlete of the last four and a half decades. Hey, Dad, you mentioned Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Team sports are hard for me in this conversation. You want to say best basketball player? I'm right there with you. You want to say best football player and start talking about Tom Brady? Okay, fine. But it's hard for me to talk about most dominant individual athlete and then think about it. So it's almost like we've got to go to individual sports. You could probably find a pitcher or two. I get the team sports thing, but LeBron James has to be on here. He plays five positions and led the league in assists in year 17 when he just decided he needed to play point guard. Yeah, Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm I'm not downgrading anybody. Maybe it would just be easier if I said, okay, let's just set team sports aside. Most dominant athlete in an individual sport in the last four and a half decades. Like Josh and Clinton threw Nolan Ryan out there. I don't think Nolan Ryan's numbers back that up because there were so many walks and so many losses. The strikeout numbers were off the charts. He's got the record with seven no-hitters. We know all of those things. But he lost a gazillion games and he walked, you know, half the country of Mexico. I don't know why I used that as an example, but whatever. Um, But as fun a pitcher as there's ever been to watch pitch, because he was just a bulldog on the mound. So here are some of the names that you've submitted. Give me quick thumbs up, thumbs down, Borky. Hey, Dad, Rippy, when we hit these names. (laughs) Where is um, Scary Gary when we need him? Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson? (laughs) Mariano Rivera, obviously that's a team sport. Serena Williams. You, you just wanted to mention a Yankee. Yeah, Serena is in the conversation. I think that's the answer. I mean, when you really look at what she's done, her record just in singles matches is 834 and 144. 
It's a lot of losses. That's 85% win percentage going one-on-one because that's the, the way the sport of tennis works. She has 23, you can call them majors. 23 majors. With an 85% win percentage in tennis is just straight up mano y mano. If you lose, you are out. Stephen Batesville says Tiger Woods. We get the uh, obligatory. You're, you're going to love this one, Rippy. Okay. Triple crown winner, Justify. I love it. <laughs> a horse is the greatest athlete you ever saw. Wasn't Secretariat like in the top ten of when the ESPN did that 100 greatest a- athletes thing? Not sure, but I bet it had a cel- helicopter parent that trained him for that moment. <laughs> the, By the way, the C Spire text really line get in. Him. Uh, Surely the guy that sent the horse is not... Like, do you think the horse knows it's an athlete? I'm trying to look up Federer's all-time record because that Serena one is kind of astonishing. What more children sired, Justify or Antonio Cromartie? (laughs) Uh, In Cromartie's case, they cost him, though. Justify doesn't have to pay child support. There's no child support, yeah. I did read something, though, that said that like some animal psychologist said, the horses do know that they are competing against each other, that they have an idea that they are supposed to be, or they try to be faster than the other horses around them. That's an interesting... I did not know that. That's cool. I don't know if I buy that. C Spire text line, if you want to jump in, 601-879-4395. Al Bundy had four touchdowns in one game. <laughs> it's true. Well played. Well played. More children justify our Philip Rivers. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> All right. Uh, several votes for Floyd Mayweather. Fair. We get a Jimmy Johnson over Jeff Gordon. Do you, do you get to do Mayweather in boxing, though, with the way he fights and the like, he wins. selective nature? I, I would say that for, win, dominance, for dominance, for okay. dominance, Tyson, bef- prior to Buster Douglas, needs to be that guy. Morky, what was Serena's percentage? 85. 85% win percentage. Okay, well... What's Federer? Noted schlub Roger Federer comes in at 82, but he's 1,242 and 271. That's crazy. Incredible. He's played 1,500 matches in his career? Yeah. Wow. How do you not need the fingers for that? I couldn't even figure out how many matches that is. (laughs) Just rounded up quickly in my head. Um... Mike Tyson's name gets brought up. Yeah, Tyson for dominance from the prior to losing to Buster Douglas, nobody more dominant than Mike Tyson. Pete Weber. Ooh, I tried Ooh. to get Borky. I tried to get Borky the other day. I sent him a, a tweet. Hold, 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 on, the, hold on, before you spoil it. Hold on a second. Rippy, do you know who Pete Weber is? Yeah, the bowler. Okay, just making sure. I, I sent him a tweet. It was this day in history where he uttered the now famous words, Who do you think you are? I am! The I can back, play that quick. Play it! There Give me were, one I second. A decent bit about bowling. There were two years at the beginning of college when I the Titans were so bad and I didn't have Sunday ticket, I would turn on PBA on ESPN. Because I got so pissed. All right, off so you know, you know, when you get to the springtime of the year and you watch around at the Masters, and it makes you want to immediately go out and try and play an emergency nine before the sun it goes didn't down. Make me want to bowl. I just found it humorous. That's what I was going to ask. Did that mean you like when it was over, jumped up and went to the? Not really. I just like the bowling. Alley. I was more amused at the dudes boozing on the front row of a bowling <laughs> thing and wondering how they got there, got to that point. Let me, on let me a ask Sunday. you this: should, should we consider a man who won sixteen world championships? 
One would think. All right, so Ric Flair is on the list. Great. Jeez. It's like saying Jon Snow's the best war fighter in history. Pat in Oxford says a little different in showing my age, but Earl Anthony was in his prime as dominant in bowling as Tiger was in golf. Okay. We're getting some great bowling content here today. Lonnie with, wait, no Caitlyn Jenner? Oh. At the time. We got a a Walter Ray Williams, too. I mean, there's a Rocky Marciano. That's not in my lifetime, though. Yeah. Walter Ray Williams Jr. was a more dominant bowler. I've been a bowler for years. And this is somebody. How about this guy? So Richie in West Point gives us Karch Karai, which is the winningest beach volleyball player of all time, and Walter Ray Williams in bowling. My man dug deep. Mark Martin. Come on. Pride of Batesville, Arkansas, but get out of here with Mark Martin. Most dominant athlete in the last 45 years, Mark Martin? Is there talking about the uh, race car driver? Yeah. Is there an Indy driver we're missing? I don't know any I don't know Indy racing as well. Get out of here with Mark Martin. Yeah, Mark Martin is like maybe the, the fifth or sixth best NASCAR driver in this time period we're talking about. At best. I don't even know who that is. Richard Petty right. is light years ahead of anybody. I love the NASCAR folks jumping in. I like it. Joey Chestnut. Let's go. That's actually a pretty good submission. If you consider competitive eating as an a sport, then he's he's in the uh, the conversation. Did, Why Kobayashi was better until he boycotted it. I was going to say, did you guys watch the uh, Joey Chestnut Kobayashi documentary? Yeah, thirty for thirty. No. No, I don't. I don't. I, think I don't need like to uh, watch that. I think it was like July third last year when it came out, like on the eve of. Kobayashi has two nicknames. <laughs> Steven Batesville goes with Uncle Rico. <laughs> the Kobayashi's name is nickname is. I think that's the winner. Mike in Grand Bay uh, mentions Nadia Komenich. That's um, good phonetic yeah. spelling, by the way. You made that easy on me. I mean, she was wow. She was wow. This is fun. Now you you guys are just having fun with us on a Friday as well. We're getting Mario Andretti and Evil Knievel and Hey that asked for an Indy driver, uh not Indy, but Formula One, Michael Shoemaker. I mean if you talk about racing, he won basically a third of all of his starts. It's a good call, Borky. Good call. What was Tiger's win percentage? Or is? I mean, it, it, it's tailed off in the last... But wasn't there a point where he was winning at like a 20 or 25% clip? That's insane for golf. Jeez. It's insane. I'll have Thanks those. for I all your submissions. I'll, I'll have those for you on the other side. I, if we did not read the name that you submitted, Happy Gilmore, Tony Hawk, my apologies. Tony Hawk's a Hawk's good choice. Good. That's a good choice. There have literally been about 250 in the last five minutes. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday afternoon, wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour. You may like Dabo Sweeney. You may not like Dabo Sweeney. You may think he is as genuine as they come. 
You may think he's a snake oil salesman. You may think he's the greatest coach ever and he's closing in on Nick Saban. Or you may think he's just a good coach. Take however you feel about Dabo Sweeney and set it aside just for a second. And just listen to his words. Listen to what he says. And then ask if you ask yourself if you like his proposal. We've talked a lot about the new transfer rule that appears as if it's going to go into place. We've talked a lot about it over the last couple of days. Read you a bunch of coach quotes, administrator quotes, commissioner quotes, basketball assistant coach quotes, and whatnot. I really like what Dabo has to say. But judge for yourself. Quote, I'm excited to find out more about it when we go to our meetings in May. Sounds like there's good progress. There needs to be some change. I don't like whatever's been proposed. I don't think it's good for the player. I don't think it's good for college football. But I do think there needs to be some changes. I think some of the rules were archaic and things like that, but nobody called and asked me. If I could go poof, for me, I think, first of all, there doesn't need to be restriction. Guys should be able to go wherever they want to go. That's an archaic thing, and I believe that. And I also think that if you graduate, you should be able to go where you want to go. And that's the case as it is. And I also think another change should be if your head coach leaves or is fired, you should be able to transfer if you want. I believe that. But other than that, I think if you transfer, you sit. Simple as that. And then if you graduate, you get that year back. So you really don't lose anything, but at least it would slow down what's going to happen. What's kind of going on right now with the graduates is going to go to the freshmen and going to go to the mid-years and going to go to the sophomores, and that's not good for college football. It's not good for the players. But that, to me, would clean it up and cut out some of the hypocrisy of it, too. People say, oh, coaches can leave and this and that. If your coach leaves or your coach is fired, you should be able to go. I think that's very fair. Or you're a graduate. But other than that, you should have to sit. I kind of like where Dabo's coming from on this. There's nothing wrong with that proposal. Nothing wrong with it at all. If you graduate, you're free to go. Well, okay, if you are a graduate transfer, you are free to go. If you just want to transfer, you can go anywhere you want to go. Nobody can put any restrictions on you. But unless you are a graduate or your coach got fired or your coach quit to go somewhere else, then you have to sit. And then, if you graduate, you continue to make academic progress, the year that you sat out, you get that year of eligibility back. Yeah. I think he's sort of hidden on something here, and that's, the, one of the biggest problems we have is just the inconsistency. We don't know why certain people are eligible and certain people aren't. So if you just had that uh, any kind of rule, any kind, even if it was like overly restrictive, but that's the rule, I think people would would be happier. So, yeah, 
as proposal, and I'm not. I like Dabo, but he does sometimes come off as a little sanctimonious, a little holier than thou. But that, yes. to me, is a quality and whiny. proposal. It, it comes off whiny sometimes. I'll, I'll give you that. This but comes that, off really well thought out. It's sharp. He was also asking whether the new criteria that's being proposed right now would lead to schools recruiting other schools' rosters. Here's what he says. There's no question. It's just not good for college football. It's not going to hurt Clemson. It's not going to hurt Clemson. It's going to hurt a lot of other people. But I just think that would be a good way to clean it up. And again, nobody asked me my opinion, so it doesn't really matter what I think. And again, if the objective is we should just change it and everybody should be able to go wherever they want to because coaches can, well then, why is it a one-time transfer? Coaches can leave this year and the next year and the next year. Why can't players leave every year? I think the intent is really good. I think there needs to be some common sense change to address the issue. But I don't like what's on the table right now. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter what I like or say. You get the all shucks at the end, hey, Dad. There it is. Nobody cares about little old Clemson. Just trying to keep them down. Just a ball coach. I'm just a ball coach. Doesn't matter what I think. And I'll quit if players get paid. Already enough entitlement in this world. Yeah. Says the I $9 think, million dollar coach. Uh, Again, as I said at the beginning, however you feel about Dabo, set that aside and just listen to his proposal and think about it at face value. I think there's a lot of really, really good in that. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back for the 5 o'clock hour in the College Football Fix after this. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online, supertalk.fm, on this Friday afternoon. What a gorgeous day it's been. Looks like it's going to be really good for the weekend in the Magnolia State. Thanks for joining us. Hope the work week is now over for you and you are getting to coast into the weekend. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. You want to be part of the conversation like a ton of you have done this afternoon. You can do it that way. Ceasefire reminds you that Mississippi's future depends on Senate Bill 2284 and House Bill 1165. Join C Spire in the fight and tell your legislature, uh, legislator to support computer science for every school. Text FUTURE to 50457 or visit OurMSFuture.com to get started. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, one hour until the weekend left with you. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Tomorrow is Leap Day, February 29th. That means it's the end of Truck Month, but you get a bonus day in Truck Month. Check out the Ranger, the F-150, or Ford Super Duty, F-150, best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. Tomorrow's a Saturday. Your local Mississippi Ford dealers will be open. Go by and test drive one perhaps on your day off. Michael Borky, we've got, what, new rules proposals for college football? And and this is from the NCAA to the working group, which basically means these are going to to go in place. And there's four of them so far. There's a few more that could potentially come about. But there's these four, two of which are kind of nondescript. The other two actually kind of mean something. Uh, The first one is players, when they get ejected for targeting, no longer have to do the walk of shame. 
Uh, they won't have oh. to get escorted by a coach all the way up to the locker room. They can stay on the sideline. They obviously cannot play, but they don't have to do that. If you remember, this probably came from the national championship game when a football play got a Clemson player ejected from the game and he had to do the walk of shame out of the national championship game. That, for some reason, sparked a whole lot of negativity. And then this rule comes shortly thereafter. I kind of feel like they're connected. So that's the first one. So we are eliminating the scarlet letter, but we're not eliminating the rule that needs to be tweaked. And basically everybody that has a stake in college football wants to see tweaked, which is some sort of flagrant one, flagrant two system with regard to targeting and the ejections associated with them. Yeah, and uh, Steve Shaw said, quote, the targeting rule is working where we want it. So don't expect to change from that anytime soon. Steve Shaw, now the national coordinator of officials. He has been the SEC's coordinator of officials for the last handful of years, but is moving to the national level. And again, you may not like the ejections, but targeting fouls are down. And head-to-head contact is down. And that was the intent behind putting targeting into place, right? That's right, and it's worked. I just and I go back to the national championship game. I forget the guy's name. It was the guy wearing the cowboy collar, the linebacker, really good player. Is it Skalski or yeah, that Skalski or something like that? Skalski, I think, is is the correct pronunciation. But it was a football play. the The helmets collided, but it was a, a regular football play, and he got ejected from the national championship game. That just doesn't feel right. I mean, adding the basketball or the football version of basketball's flagrant one and flagrant two makes a ton of sense, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen, at least this year. Okay. This one we can uh, kind of James Skalski. Skalski. Yep. <laughs> All right. What else? We so can kind of gloss over this one. Uh, no more than two players can have the same jersey number. Be nice if they'd go to no more than one player could have the same jersey number, but and fair enough. When you have we rosters of a hundred guys, yeah. I'd like to see a one twelve though. Well, how about wear whatever number you want to wear in practice? That's fine. But on game day, we have one through ninety nine. You're only allowed to dress seventy and or zero so now. on game day. You can wear the number zero in college football now. Really? That's weird. I think the rule should be you have to give it to the heaviest guy on your team. Why? Because <laughs> you got a guy that's 6'8", like 360 wearing jersey yeah, number really, zero. It, it represents the number best. <laughs> Who do you think will be the first big-time player to wear zero? It'll happen soon. It'll happen this year. I mean, it happens in basketball. It happens in baseball. So, somebody at State and Ole Miss. Somebody at State or Ole Miss will be zero this year. Okay. Zero is also the number of national championships Georgia has won since 1980. So uh, there, there's that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Apropos of nothing. Uh, number That's your daily shot at Georgia, brought to you by Michael Borky. You're welcome. Um, number three, officials' jurisdiction <laughs> will start <laughs> 90 minutes before kickoff. Currently, it is at 60 minutes, and as we were reminded during the break, that is thanks to... Uh, a Kentucky player. Hmm. Lynn, yeah. Uh, Lynn, Lynn Bowden, the quarterback, came out. So he punched a dude before the clock started for ba- the pregame, so it was just lawless? Basically, right. yeah. Yes. Short short of doing something to have himself arrested, 
Why put a clock on it? Why not just when both teams enter the stadium, the refs are the have well, a Well, I mean, basically 90 minutes is when that happens. Neither team comes out more than 90 minutes before the game starts. No, but they enter the stadium, so after you do the walk of whatever and you got to beef with somebody and you want to walk over and you're tied, sock them, like, yeah. planted the seed. Any of those fights are now going to have to happen while either in coat and tie or travel jumpsuit. <laughs> I like that idea. Couple guy, couple guys in suits just brawling. Yeah. All right. So that's three of the four. What's the last one? And finally, this is a really good move, although this only happens on average just over two times a game. Replay must be finished in two minutes or less, and if they cannot come to a conclusion, the call stands on the field. Love College it. baseball is listening. I <laughs> I believe in that. Because of common sense, right? We're going to video replay to determine whether or not we have clear video evidence, conclusive video evidence, to overturn a call that was made on the field. If it takes you watching it more than two minutes, then by definition, you do not have clear and conclusive video evidence. You're right. That uh, that makes all the sense in the world to me. It's just that simple. I think it's almost like hand raised guy was in the room with these rule proposals, Morky. With the exception of the targeting thing, yeah, maybe they actually hired somebody with competence. I yeah, do- but I, but I get the thing on the targeting because the whole intent with yeah. targeting was to make the game safer and re- reduce the number of head to head contact plays, and you have done that. It has worked. It has worked. I, I think, and, and 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 I know there's like a yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but, but the ultimate yeah, but is there is no yeah, but it has worked. The game is safer, and you have fewer head-to-head concussion-causing plays than you had just a few short years ago. Without a doubt, I, I think they should maybe not take it a step further because I don't know how you do this the right way. But for example. If there's an out-of-bounds play in basketball and one player clearly knocks the ball out of his opponent's hand and the ball goes out of bounds, the ball went out of bounds because of the defender, but that ball hung on to the hand of the offensive player like barely grazed his pinky as it was leaving his hand because it got knocked out, it's out-of-bounds on him. The person, the person that forced the ball out in that case, I think, should be the, the reason. When you're zooming it in on that finite of a detail with that slow motion to determine the ball. And this happened in the NBA Finals last year. That the ball barely, just barely grazed the pinky of the player who lost the ball after it was knocked out by his opponent. That's not out on him. It would never be called like that in real time. So I think... You but could take it a step the further. Point of replay and, to correct real time. I get what you're saying. It's just hard to do replay in the spirit of a rule rather than the actual rule. Uh, right. Yeah. So that's why I think replay should be done only while the the feed is real time. Use all the angles you need. But if you have to slow it down and slow it down into where it's frame by frame by frame, I don't think that's doing it the right way. I get what you're saying. I just don't think I agree with you. I mean, if slowing down allows you ultimately to get it right, then just get it right, which is what they've, for the most part, done. 
Robert in Oak Grove on the C Spire text line says he'd be happy with one minute for the official replay review time. Says it shouldn't take longer than that. Uh, somebody says, just wanted to say you suck to the Georgia hater. Facts do not care about Derek your in Greenwood feelings. sent us a picture of his son in Pee Wee football wearing double zero. Nice. Nice. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. What are you guys doing this weekend? So, hey, Dad, you're in Oxford on Sunday, but you've got tomorrow completely off, right? Yeah, going to watch some sports. I'll be doing anything the sportsing on, thing. Anything on the grill? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not planning for that tomorrow. No. How about you, Borky? Uh, well... Full garage redoing slash cleaning slash organizing. The move caused us to kind of just throw stuff in there and stack it on top of each other. And I'm going to alleviate that situation this weekend. I'm tired of the clutter. And then I'll probably smoke some ribs and watch some baseball. What would you charge me to come do that to my garage when you're done with yours? Ooh. You can get back to me on I'll that. I'll get back to you on that because I, I, to believe it or not, you probably think I'm insane to begin with, which I don't blame you. Uh, I actually enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't dislike it. It's just finding the time to do it. Saturday's yeah. just kind of another work day most weeks. I actually get a home game this weekend. I'm doing the Ole Miss Vandy game tomorrow, nice. and it's at noon. Nice. So we'll still have sunshine when it's uh, over. I'm with you, man. I work on Sundays myself, so yeah. That's uh, that's Six got something for on you the... and I. Yeah, a little bit less that's travel a... for me though. Yeah, a little bit. Um, that's got something on the grill at the cross house written all over it tomorrow night. What are you thinking? Probably steaks. Although I've gotten to the point where we you'd normally you just go to do... LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg feeds the baseball team. He can feed you. You know what? That's what I did uh, last Sunday. I got burgers and steaks. I did the um, the bacon fillet burgers on Sunday night, and I got some of the stuffed mushrooms and uh, the uh, bacon wrap fillets for Monday night. I caught Borky gotta... sleeping the other day. I did the intro, and then I said, "There's nothing to talk about." So Borky, I'll see you Friday. And it took him a second. He goes, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> got him sleeping. Uh, but no, I've kind of stopped doing the grill for steaks, though. I did doing the cast iron. Stick yeah. in the pan, yeah. That's that's the yeah, way. The, start them yeah. on the uh, little olive oil and start them in I got the skillet. A, uh, I got a new sponsor the on the on the podcast that uh, they sell steaks here in town. Welcome Home Beef is the name of them. Beautiful. That's yeah. the Thunder USDA and Lightning Prime podcast. Beef. Yeah, you can go by there today if you like and get yourself some uh, some USDA Prime steak, ground beef. They got it all. They got and it's sort of like you're just talking about. They got. All the other stuff you need for dinner, too, including they sell uh, the Doe's tamales, which are fantastic. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, that, so that's good stuff. That's the Thunder and Lightning podcast. You can get that wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Of course, you can get the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast, as well as the Rebel Report, hosted by 
Brian Scott Rippey and Michael Borky. You got Joel T. Coleman and Hey Dad on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. And uh, don't miss out if you're a Southern Miss fan on the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast, also available uh, wherever you get podcasts. You think we do sports or or what? I think we're missing an angle here. I don't know if we cover enough of it. Oh, on the podcast, the family of podcasts. <laughs> I mean, we have a three-hour radio show and four podcasts, and I do a Sunday sports show. I think we've, I think we got it. Me and Rippy are going to start that State Ole Miss podcast at some point. I don't know when that's going to be though. You're going to do what now? Rippy and I were talking about putting up, doing a podcast together as well. Call it B squared. Sketchy. Might be onto something there. Um, got some finals in the SEC and some games that are in action right now and some more that are coming up tonight. Baylor beat Missouri 4-2. to Ole Miss beat High Point 6-2. Kentucky went uh, down to UNC Wilmington, lost that game 8 nothing. Bama Ooh. trying to stay undefeated, leading 10-1 to over Harvard in the top of the seventh inning in Tuscaloosa. Good game in Houston, Texas. Top 25 matchup, number 6 Arkansas, number 22 Oklahoma. Sooners leading the Razorbacks 4-3. to in the bottom of the seventh inning at Minute Maid. Uh, no trash can banging that we are aware of. Tennessee trying to stay undefeated, leading 3-1 to one over George Washington in Knoxville, bottom of the eighth. Top of the fifth, Georgia up 4-1 to one on Charmin Soft, Georgia Tech. Auburn leading at 6-2 to two over Wright State, <laughs> top of the fifth inning. Hope you don't ever do any Georgia Tech games. No, I hope he does. That's what you meant to say. Vanderbilt you leading. incorporate that in the broadcast? Vanderbilt leading three to nothing over Hawaii in the bottom of the third. Troy's at Florida tonight. Clemson in South Carolina. Illinois, Texas A&M, LSU, Texas, and also Mississippi State, Long Beach State. If you want to watch that game, Beach Vision is the way to go. That is through the Long Beach State website. Of course, you can listen to it uh, wherever you listen to your Mississippi State games normally uh, on their app or streaming or tune in or wherever you want to get that. So. A uh, lot of baseball coming up tonight and uh, some action already in the books. Ole Miss and East Carolina will play tomorrow afternoon. First pitch is at 3.30. Central time? I believe so. There you go. 10 a.m. Sunday, by the way. 10 a.m. Central time on Sunday for that uh, that matchup. What about the hoops this weekend? Only three SEC games remaining in the regular season. you get got Saturday, midweek, and then next Saturday, final day of the regular season. Then you roll into the SEC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. Texas A&M is at LSU. Is that a danger spot for LSU, just kind of given the way Texas A&M has played? Well, it's, it's a danger spot given the way LSU has played the past few weeks. They've kind of been trending in the wrong direction. Yeah. LSU is always in a dangerous spot. The FBI could come anytime. Nobody expects the the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Vanderbilt is at Ole Miss. That game tips at noon local time on the SEC Network. What kind of three piece do you think? Uh... Stackhouse. Yeah. You know what he? Um, I actually it, mentioned that was probably the most interesting thing about this game uh, this morning. What he would wear? Yeah. He had the all-green suit on when they were in Gainesville. That's when he got run a couple of weeks ago. And uh, last week, was it last? Yeah, last week, great game against Georgia. Uh, Stack went with the uh, sport coat and turtleneck. Y'all have nicknames for each other? Stack? Yeah, I don't guess I'd call him that. Or maybe I do call him that. I don't know. It's the Danny Cannell look. 
I mean, you got to realize I've spent a lot of time with Jerry Stackhouse this year. I was honestly wondering. I wonder. Are, are you, you spending know, time with him seven this weekend or eight or by the time you get on Never mind. Yeah. I probably said, "What's up, Stack?" I don't know. Not much, Dick. Have they won a game? <laughs> Have they won a game that you've called? Uh, yes, they beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi back in December, or it may have been. You should November. go the other way with him and start calling him House. What's up, House? <laughs> really throw. Him I like that. Sounds way better. Florida is at Tennessee. Florida's playing good basketball. I feel like it's taken a long time to get to the point because I think I said early in the year, I don't think Florida is a team that you want to play at the end of February or the beginning of March. And it's taken a while, but I think that's kind of where the Gators are right now. You're going to look up in March and they're going to be in a sweet 16, right? And then you're going to wonder in two years, how does Mike White, how is he not still on the hot seat? And you're going to realize he has an Elite Eight, Sweet 16. He's one of ten coaches in the entire country that has won a game in three consecutive NCAA tournaments. Yeah, he's got a lead eight thirty two thirty two. Like he he wins when it counts. It's just that regular season not always that important. I don't guess. Yeah. Um. Auburn is at Kentucky. Had an epic when those two two uh, two met earlier this year. That was when College Game Day was at Auburn for the very first time. Arkansas is at Georgia. South Carolina is at Alabama. Two teams whose NCAA tournament hopes are on life support at best at this point. Well, if Arkansas gets a win at Georgia tomorrow, I think you'll see Arkansas maybe kind of bump up a line or two again in the projected seedings. Now, obviously, I skipped over one game. I wanted to save it for the end, and let's talk a little bit more about it. Because rinse and repeat the conversation from Tuesday, Mississippi State at Missouri. It is critically important for Mississippi State. Their NCAA tournament hopes are still alive. They are on the bubble. And, hey, Dad, we talked about it earlier in the week. Don't dismiss a team that's on the bubble just because they lose one game. Because other teams that are on the bubble are also losing games. Mississippi State won a game earlier this week. And in Joe Lenardi's most recent bracketology, Still got Mississippi State sitting there at number three in terms of the first four out behind Stanford and Richmond and just in front of UCLA. So let's talk about the importance of the matchup and what we're looking for tomorrow with Mississippi State at Missouri when we continue in just a couple of minutes. It's Sports Talk Mississippi, Friday afternoon, just a half an hour left with you until we all roll into the weekend. We'll be right back. Mississippi State and Missouri Bulldogs eighteen and ten overall nine and six in the SEC Missouri fourteen and fourteen for the year six and nine in league play game tips at two thirty Central Time uh, tomorrow it's on the SEC Network and it's the fourteenth meeting all time uh, Mississippi State leads the all time series eight to five and is seven and one since the start of the twenty fourteen fifteen season. Two teams played in Starkville on January 15th, and Mississippi State just smoked Missouri in that game, 72-45. to Tyson Carter had 15 points, 7 assists, and 3 steals on his birthday, no less. Reggie Perry had 23 points on 9 of 13 shooting, had a double-double that night as he also pulled down uh, 10 rebounds in the game. 
And the 45 points that Missouri scored were the fewest allowed by an SEC opponent, uh, a SEC opponent under Ben Howland since he's been at Mississippi State. How much does what happened in the first game, hey Dad, matter tomorrow? I don't. I don't know that it matters very much. Um, I would say that it seems unlikely that State's going to hold Missouri to 45 points again. You know, I would think Missouri would be closer to their average, which I think is around 67, 68 points per game. Um, so, I, you know, State's going to, you know, 72 points would still be enough to win, but State's probably going to need to be a little bit crisper offensively in that game. But, but, but that same token, you know, State is it's definitely capable of having a good defensive game and shutting down that Missouri offense. They're not particularly, you know, explosive or elite or anything by that stretch of the imagination. Um, but one thing that, that I do think is that happened in game one that needs to happen here uh, again on Saturday is Tyson Carter needs to have another good game. He has really been a, a guy that, if you can just look at his stat line, most of the time you can sort of tell how the game went. Um, when he's been on, when he shot the ball well, when he's you know not turned the ball over, and when he's getting through the free throw line especially, that's usually been a pretty good sign for Mississippi State. You, you sort of know what you're going to get from Perry at this point. He'll be at a double-double or close to it. It's it's the other guys around him that make the difference, and Carter has really been sort of the, the number one option past Perry. Mississippi State is two wins shy of collecting their third straight 20-win season. Last time Mississippi State did that, uh, the 7-8, 8-9, and 9-10 seasons under Rick Stansberry, which were also the last time that the Bulldogs made the postseason in three straight years. Bulldogs are one win shy of back-to-back seasons with 10 wins in SEC play. Last time that happened, 95 and 96, when Richard Williams was still the head coach. Um, did you know this about Mississippi State? Bulldogs not only lead the SEC, but they are ranked third nationally behind only West Virginia and Houston going into this weekend's games with an offensive rebounding percentage of 37.4. And that's not really a mainstream stat, but it does tell you that they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Basically what that means is when there is a rebound available on the offensive end of the floor, almost 38% of the time the Bulldogs come away with the loose ball. They have out-rebounded their opponents by 7.5 per game, which leads the SEC. It's 12th nationally, and it's 5th among the Power 5 conference teams. And that's just really good. A little better than 12 offensive rebounds per game. You give yourself extra chances, kind of what you're getting at with all of that. Yeah, and you know you expect to have those kind of numbers when you have a guy like Perry, who's a great rebounder, have a big man like Abdullah do. Woodard is a good rebounder. You have guards that can rebound too, and Stewart, Weatherspoon, and Carter. All of those guys are, are you know, not inept when it comes to getting to the boards. So I mean, yeah, State's a good rebounding team, and that's it's rebounding has been a big part of the games they've won this year, and even in games they've lost, they've been able to rebound. It's just a question of they turn the ball over too much to negate those extra possessions they're getting when they hit the offensive glass. When Mississippi State goes to Columbia in the middle of the week, the other Columbia, not Columbia, Missouri, but Columbia, South Carolina, they will have played since January 25th eight of their 12 games on the road. So it was a a front half of the schedule that was kind of loaded up on the home side of things, but it's been a bunch of road games. Eight of their last 12, well, seven of their last 11, if you count tomorrow, and then eight of the last 12 uh, before hosting Ole Miss to uh, to finish up the regular season a week from tomorrow. 
Hey, Dan, when you look at these last three, I mean, we, we, we were talking about kind of the last four going into the game earlier this week. Mississippi State obviously got the win against Alabama. When you look at three remaining, how does this play out for Mississippi State? On the road against Missouri, on the road against South Carolina, and home for Ole Miss. Is the sense of urgency enough that you kind of get, okay, we either do this now or we just don't do it? I think so. I think that the team and, and, and they, I think they understand where they where they stand. You know, I think you saw that sense of urgency on Saturday. Oh, I'm sorry, on uh, on Tuesday night against Alabama and the way that they played. But can they do it three more times in a row and possibly a fourth time when you talk about getting into Nashville and maybe needing a win in the SEC tournament just to, to solidify everything? That that's that's going to be difficult. I think State can get this win tomorrow, but I just don't think Missouri is very good. But looking at the South Carolina game, that's going to be a very tough game. South Carolina gave State a, a really good game over here. Coatsar did a really good job of negating Reggie Perry, and you had to have Abdul Adu show up and get you 14 points. Well, I don't know that you can count on Adu to do that every game. So if Perry gets neutralized again, who steps up again, you know, and replaces those points? You know, is it Woodard? Is it one of the guards? Maybe Stewart? Maybe maybe uh, Carter? I don't know. But that's going to be a very very tough matchup. And then even with Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss beat Mississippi State handily earlier this year, and you just you just don't know two things. You don't know if can you limit Brian Tyree, and by limit I mean hold him to twenty to twenty five points. Hmm. And what is State going to do when Ole Miss throws that press against them? That one three one State had no answer for it. Did not handle it well in Oxford, and, and I mean handled it about as poorly as you could. If Ole Miss throw, I mean, if I'm Kermit Davis, I'm coming out in that possession one. We're playing that the whole game. And if State beats us, great. But if they don't, you know, you gave it your best your best shot. I would do that from from the first possession. But if it does happen to State, how they respond to that is going to it's it's a question. So there's some big questions for that Ole Miss game. Big questions for the South Carolina game. So if State, I'll say this: if State wins out and gets into the NCAA tournament as badly as they've played at, at times, they will have earned it. These last winning winning these last four in a row because they they will have played some tough games. But tw- winning out would put them at twelve and six, right? Correct. There would be no validation needed in Nashville. None. If you Probably go twelve not. and six. Probably not. But I mean, if you just want to feel completely secure in everything, a, a win would a win certainly wouldn't hurt. Rippy, you've watched this Ole Miss team a ton. Hey, Dad says he'd jump into that one three one if he was Ole Miss right out of the gate and like never get out of it. But hasn't it been most effective, kind of getting into it and out of it and? Kind of letting it be a surprise when it comes. Yeah, but it, like it, it seems like its primary purpose is to kind of eat nine, eleven seconds into the shot clock. It's not even really been a turnover machine for them. That was kind of a one-off thing. But I think it bothered State last year, if I'm not mistaken, as well. In the game in Starkville, it did. Yeah, or at least in the past, it has. I know that wasn't the first time that's happened, which makes it all the more bizarre. Going back to but, Kennedy, that 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 defense has bothered State. And Andy Kennedy got that one three one from Kermit Davis. The hell out of him yeah. a couple of times when they played middle. middle Tennessee. Yeah, hey, he saw how effective it was against them, and he kind of implemented it as well. Now, what they did primarily under Andy Kennedy with it was out of the one three one, they would fall back into a two three. That's not always what this Ole Miss team does. Some of the yeah. time it is, uh, it's, but not it's kind of funny too. I remember Rick Stansberry doing that to Ole Miss at a game. Uh, I want to say in two thousand four where Ole Miss was leading State, and that was a good State team that went on to win the SEC. And Stansberry switched to a 1-3-1 with Brandon Vincent at the head of the snake there. 
and absolutely flummoxed Ole Miss. They had no idea how to attack it, and stayed ended up pulling away and winning that game pretty easily. So it's sort of and and he was would go the, back. To uh, that. So that was not the Zimmerman game. No, no, it would have been uh, like maybe a year after. And uh-huh. that was the uh, Stansberry had that sort of in his back pocket. He would he, he would do that one three one every now and then. So it has been. A, I guess I don't see what Rippy's saying. It's effective sort of as a change of pace, but what's as poorly as State handled it in Oxford, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I would go to it early. Programming note for you on Super Talk: The Ben Shapiro Show is coming to Super Talk Mississippi. It brings you all the news you need to know and brutally breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Shapiro has become the leading voice of young conservatives through best-selling books, his millions of followers on social media, and one of the most listened-to podcasts in the world. The Ben Shapiro Show debuts on Super Talk Mississippi next Thursday, March the 5th, at 9 p.m. You'll be able to hear the show weeknights, 9 until midnight on your local Super Talk Mississippi stations, supertalk.fm, and Amazon Alexa devices. That starts on the 5th of March. It's the Ben Shapiro Show coming to Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.